0: And in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Edie and joining me today. As always, one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, one of the most influential mortgage brokers I've ever met, and the moonlight to my serenade, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today? I was ready to come on, but I was just thinking: Do I need to come on singing now with that? With that? I do <laughs> I don't, a phenomenal. I, I, how how, how I don't about think yourself? There's actually, any words to moonlight the uh, uh, serenade? <laughs> I'm fantastic, buddy. It's great to see you. I see the sun shining in your face. There is no moonlight on you. You're just a shining. That's star. right. It's, I mean, we, we 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 do this while the sun is up and the sun is shining. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, Jonathan, Jonathan, the big news what's going on with mortgage rates uh, going up <laughs> I don't know if, I mean
1: we, we've fixed rates have been rising for a while and just uh, what was it last week Bank of Canada moved the uh, the overnight lending rate up by a quarter which of course will move the prime rate up by the quarter point so so rates are as was forecast at the start of the year rates have started to move up
0: and this is this is what's anticipated right now You know, here's the thing, and we're not going to spend long talking about this. We joked about coming on here and just calling it a podcast after the mortgage rates. But the mortgage rates have never been this low that I'm aware of in the history of mortgage lending. And the fact that everybody's screaming the the rates are going up is kind of laughable because what was it? Three years ago, four years ago, they were around 3%. Actually, probably about four or five years ago, they are around three, three and a half. And everybody's saying they're never going to go lower. And then it went way lower. And now everybody's screaming because they're going up to what? Almost three? Uh, So fixed rates are three
1: and three to 3.5 in that range right now. So yes. And the, I mean, the the variable rates, you're still able to get variable rates below 2%. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. So maybe worth it. Not gonna ask for a market production prediction because I know what it uh what your answer is. Well, it doesn't matter what I say, it's gonna do whatever it's gonna do anyway. (laughs)
1: But that's not what you're anticipating. (laughs) Jonathan wears the pens. Um Well, actually, the answer I gave, I, I gave many years ago and, and was my sort of default answer. Whenever, whenever somebody asked that going, you know what, if I could tell you what, what the interest rates were going to be doing, I wouldn't need to be selling
0: mortgages. <laughs> That's fair. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be playing the ponies. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Handicap handicapping sports events. Um, <laughs> I could totally see you in a, in a leopard print jacket and a dark little room in vegas betting on the horses (laughs) so this kind of to me this is a, a much bigger subject than just the mortgage rates because mortgage rates going up is only one cost that is factored into the whole home owning experience or other areas of real estate let's talk about some of the other costs that that people may not necessarily be factoring in and and really about doing due diligence. I think that's, that's kind of where, where I'm steering with this.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's obviously there's two, and I kind of know where you're guiding here because there's two, two avenues. One is due diligence for someone buying a house for themselves to live in saying, Hey, this is my house for be it forever house, house for the next five years, whatever it is. Then there's a due, due diligence. if You're buying this property as an investment. Mm -hmm. while there is some crossover between the two, there really are different factors that need to come into consideration. Mm -hmm. So what are those factors? (laughs) (laughs) I I was giving you an opportunity to ask me that question. Thank you very much. I was actively listening. (laughs) (laughs) We're playing opposites today, Jonathan. (laughs) So I I will start actually with the investment side because with the investment side, I think the fact that you're looking at Hey, what are what's the due diligence I want to be putting in here? I think that makes more sense from most people's perspective. You obviously, if you're making an investment for the sake of an investment, you want the investment to make you a return. So obviously, you want to look at uh, you want to look at what what it's going to cost you to buy it if there is work being done, what the renovation and work that's required is, if you're gonna, especially if you've got the opportunity to, uh, to increase the value of the property somehow, being it, being it by upgrading it so you can get a higher rent, putting in a basement apartment, for instance. So again, you can get additional rent. And so understanding what those costs are and also understanding that in today's market, those costs may be a little bit higher than they were a few years ago because of the increased costs that have come about uh, due to materials and labor. Uh, partly because of COVID and partly because of supply
0: issues that have happened. So, yes, I am talking about that. But I think there's a lot of crossover to like just straight up home ownership. First of all, let's make the distinction. There's there's truly four types of mindsets when it comes to investing. Um, and we had this conversation yesterday with Andrew McAllister. Um, there's the realtor mindset. There's the the uh, lender mindset or the broker mindset. There's the which could be, you know, two subcategories because you have to understand both sides there. Uh, And then there's the homeowner and then there's the investor. Now, a lot of homeowners don't spend the time to do the due diligence. It's kind of like the first time I bought I went to a dealership to buy a car. I knew nothing about what to look for. It's the same with a house. And, and when I talk about this, yes, um, cost of materials could be something you want to look at. If there's things that need fixing as you're, you're buying the house and you're looking at it and go, well, you know, I'd like to take this wall out and maybe expand the living room, or maybe it needs a new roof. That's a massive factor. Uh, And, and, and we know that from a property that you and I have been performing due due diligence on and the cost of materials And I'm sure that's why it's being sold because the guys who bought it probably bought it right at the beginning of the pandemic and it would have cost three, maybe $400,000 to fix it up then. Now it costs a million because the costs of materials have gone up. The, 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 the the contractors don't cost more. The labor doesn't cost more, but the amount of, you know, when you're paying over a hundred dollars for a sheet of plywood, (laughs) (laughs) that that becomes a major factor if you're buying a home. Hey, you know what, if I got to do a, a, or if I plan to put on an addition, you know, that's when your purchase plus improvements mortgage can get a little hairy. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, exactly the case. Uh, And then other things like knowing what the property's zoned. Um, I've seen this when I worked for a private lender that they were in a hazard zone. Which meant, uh, and and the best I could figure out, because it's kind of a vague description in the county that it was in, but the best I could figure out was it was uh, considered a a floodplain. And we couldn't lend on the house when they needed a private mortgage, because we couldn't lend in a floodplain. Like, (laughs) watch your money float down river. (laughs) Yeah, well,
1: understanding those, and those, I guess, because you do live a little more rural than myself. Uh, then those, those are considerations that you see out there that, that in the city, you don't even think about Mm -hmm. a lot of those things sometimes.
0: So it's
1: understanding, as you say, it's understanding, understanding the geography where you're going into, especially if you're buying something, you're either moving areas or buying a secondary property or an investment property that is not close to where you are. It's in a different County, different region, different, whatever else. Understand that, that, that th- things might be different there.
0: <laughs> no, that, that's actually a really good point because I made the uh, you know right downtown Toronto transition to right downtown in the boondocks. Um, <laughs> I live out in the country now-ish. I live in the town in the country, but it's very, very rural. And there's things you have to consider in, in your own due diligence, like maybe not necessarily the property, but cell phone signal, internet strength um if you're out in the country do you have access to to high-speed internet that's something that people can't even believe happens they're still up on they're still on dial-up out in the country in most spots which is crazy to think about yeah um what's are are you on um uh town sewage and water or do you have to have that hauled in and out do you have a a septic system these are big things you want to understand about your place because a if if you can't get a cell phone signal that's pretty frustrating. <laughs> well, I'll,
1: I'll, along those same lines, and you say that, and I mean, I'm obviously in the city. I live, uh, I live right in Toronto, uh, by the lake in Toronto. Um, and I live in a condo. I've been living in a condo for many years. And you say that about cell phone signals, but in the condo, it's actually one of my top things that I look at now. Cause yep. I've, I've lived in buildings where I had to lean a certain way in a certain room. Otherwise I didn't get a signal. So I learned, okay, one of the first things I do. And you remember when I moved in, where, when I, where I am now, I, I, I called you and said, okay, Jeff, I'm just checking my <laughs> cell phone signal. Let me walk around. Okay. It's you good took 90% the elevator. The <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I found out the, well. <laughs> the advantage with this building is I can actually walk out of my unit, down the elevator, into my car and underground parking and drive out and still be on a call. Whereas where I was living previously, I, I've got to leave. You know, I'm going to be gone for
0: five or 10 minutes while I go through the building. So these are things to look at <laughs> and Absolutely. definitely consider. Absolutely. Uh, another thing to look at is, is do, um, do they have an exclusivity agreement with any uh, providers in the building, uh, such as Internet? Like you said, you can only get Rogers. So you can't get, you know, there's certain options you can't get that way. Uh, something to look at for due, due diligence with a condo is their status certificate. And that's having your lawyer look through it. But that's where you got to understand what the budget is. And if you got any big unexpected costs coming up, that now, could that, be uh, an eye opener. <laughs> that, that's something to really look for. And the other thing I'll just say is
1: is you want to understand who's on the board because ultimately the condo, if looking at condos, the condo board is made up of people who own units in your building. Mm-hmm. And so you want to understand and I mean, you don't necessarily need to be on the board, but you want to participate in the board meetings and get to know the board members so that, that way you understand what's happening and have sort of called the inside track. So you know when some of these things are coming up and it's not a surprise and you're hit out of left field when a notice goes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Everybody loves having to pay an extra thousand dollars. Um <laughs> yeah, there's some other things you you know you might want to look at. Um even just buying a single family home is um drainage. That's why a lot of people in the country, especially, will buy in the spring so that when they understand where all the meltwater goes, they know if the basement leaks or if it's pooling anywhere, how the sump pump works, um, things like that, so that they they understand more of the nature side of things if they're in the country something you don't have to really think about in the city because it's always going to be a little bit leaky i'm sure or <laughs> i used to have a dirt floor in the basement in my uh, my place in toronto it was fantastic <laughs> wasn't scary at all when you go down there at night <laughs> <laughs> the worst I was. <laughs> All right. Short story, Jonathan. I was checking on the furnace one day and I heard a noise up in the darkness because up in the dirt somewhere and I shone the flashlight and there were two eyes looking back at me. A raccoon had gotten in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you, even in the city, you were you were used to the country. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. But I lived in Cabbage Town, man. Even the raccoons carried knives. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what are some of the other things like, uh, you know, you get to do a walkthrough in a, a single family home things to keep an eye out for are, um, and this is part of your due diligence. Um, we just had a, a contract that we went through. We had three opportunities during our due diligence period uh, to walk through with professionals. So I walked through with a uh, a general contractor and we had a good laugh along the way. Cause there was some pretty interesting things in that place we were looking at. And I said, look, give me your highest number because we have to, you know, I want to know what you think is going to be. And he made some phone calls and stuff. And it was the cost of materials are just through the roof. But as we're, we're walking around, the things I'm looking at are the foundation. There was actually a, a great little spot where water was coming in so much. We actually could have put a water feature down there. I, I don't know if I told you about that. It was you just didn't tell kind of me about that one. No, shooting outside of the, the foundation. <laughs> Apparently it wasn't a big deal, but to me, you know, you put one of those little cherubs on there and you could be peeing out the water. To, it was awesome. Um, but I'm looking for cracks in the foundation. I'm looking for pooled water. Um, I'm looking at the, the roof line, making sure it's straight and not uh, not wavy. Like you could skateboard on it that's a major expense uh what else do you look for furnace you want to know what your furnace is like you want to know what your wiring is like uh look at your floor joists these are pretty simple things to to understand but if the bones are good um and there's no black mold or anything like that look for look for anything like water marks anywhere on the ceiling or the floor um wow i didn't realize i knew, I knew all this stuff jonathan <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but it, it's just it, it's easy stuff to, to look for especially the watermarks you'll find them because a lot of times where you find water you find black mold and that could be a problem when you buy a place you a lot of times people will buy a place they'll realize there's a water line on the uh, the floor in the basement you'll they're sorry the drywall in the basement they'll see where the basement's been flooded and they cut open the drywall and it's all black mold behind there. Well, now they have to remediate all of that black mold. I don't know if that's the right term, but it's what you do to the soil if it's contaminated. But that's another thing you want to know if the soil is contaminated. Not you don't necessarily have to. That's a kind of a but understand what's been going on in the neighborhood as far as that goes. You know, find out you can, you can pretty easily find that out from public records um you know has there been any major contamination in the in the soil anywhere near that look at like love canal back in the 80s yes well especially if you're in in an area where it is a
1: industrial or quasi-industrial where Mm -hmm. there's there might be some businesses close by which there there are some areas where hey that's kind of like yeah it's industrial across the street and that's where it starts and understand what types of businesses were in there which is which as you say is very good to know
0: yeah absolutely
1: Uh, and, And along those lines, a lot of people just say, well, I've got a home inspector. The home inspector will take care of all this for me. Going, They will look through a lot of things. But at the end of the day, keep in mind, that is one person going through looking at the house. Yes, they're experienced, so they know how to look a little bit better. But for yourself, as I mean, to go in there, first of all, with them, but before you even get to an offer stage, to to just take a little bit of time and walk through and If there's something looks off, I mean, tap on the wall. If mm-hmm. it looks, that looks kind of tap on the wall. And you can tell, does it sound solid? Does it sound like there could be a little bit soft in there? Because soft
0: yep. is a sign there's potential moisture issues, which as you say, I guess that gets into mold stuff. I did the, I, I, you, you talk about that. I did the exact same thing with the floor joists in this place. I always carry a pocket knife and I just kind of tapped it with the knife to see the sound it makes. Cause you can see if there's dry rot, you can see if there's termites, which we don't have much of a problem up here, but it does happen. Um, my old gym just got closed down for the last two years because of termites. Who'd have thought I thought that was a Costa Rican problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, another thing is the wiring. Look how new the wiring is. Look at the, the panel um see if all of the uh, instructions are written for you know this is the ac this is the kitchen this is the dining room that stuff's got to be clearly labeled look how old or new the wiring is like there's there's kind of like three well there's actually a newer wire out that i don't know of, but like make sure it's not knob and two because then you're gonna have three wire the whole place and i think there's an old i think it's 18 gauge they called it or something like that where it was only a two wire it was just the black and the white um, uh, but now they all have grounds and like there's another thing. Look for uh ground fault uh interrupters, GFIs in the uh bathrooms, make sure they're all by the the sinks and uh in the kitchen of the bathroom because yeah. these are things that your your home inspector should catch, but they have to be brought up to code if you're buying the house. You have to have all that stuff in there.
1: And it's easy enough, as you say. A lot of these things, if you understand what you're looking at, you can quickly check 10. I mean really i mean walking through a bathroom how long does it take it takes 30 seconds okay let's take a look at the socket that's near the the sink does it have that yes or no yep i mean Um, and things like that it's just a matter of if it's if the wiring's in there right you just gotta update the socket that's not a big expense no but it's something for safety reasons you want to have
0: yeah and it won't pass an inspection if you're trying to do a reno like you'll have to that's like the first thing that'll hold you up before you get your permit and you just won't even think of it you know yeah um look at all your 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 look at all the bones of the building is really what I'm getting at. Look at your pipes, all, all of that stuff to make sure it's all, you know, fairly new. It doesn't have to be brand new. Um, ideally anything over 10 years old, you're going to have uh, you could have issues with all those things. Boilers look for leaks on boilers. Um, yeah. I know it's old school. Nobody has boilers anymore, but there are high efficiency boilers out there still, but um, they get rusty and leaky if there's, there's a lot of humidity around them. So that could be a problem. Um, what else do you want to do for due diligence? You know, look at the history of the property, if you can find it. I mean, as a mortgage broker, you have a uh, purview, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's always been one of my favorite due diligence tools. Talk about that. Would you, I've been doing a lot of talking. I'm tired. Help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Pur- purview is a system that I've got access to that, that can really pull it will tell you what the current history on the, well, current history, what's currently happening <laughs> with the property. It, it, it gives, I mean, it gives a ballpark range, but the range is pretty broad. So I'm not going to use that to say, hey, the property's worth this much. Your realtor is really the person who can give you that side of it. But it will let me know about uh, what's currently owing on the property and that kind of information. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, as, as a buyer of a property, it's not really essential. you know what the current person owes on it. Ultimately, they're responsible for that, and as long as what you're pay- you're paying for is above that, then you're fine. Uh, there could be some problems if it's below that, but that wouldn't be your concern. It's something they need to to work out. But ultimately, you need to know if they're underwater, do they have the means to to pay everything out based on the price you're buying it for?
0: You know what, this is interesting, Jonathan, because we kind of you know what the, the more we have this conversation, the more I see this evolves. There truly is a difference between the lender mentality and the Uh, broker mentality. Because to me, when I was working for the lender and starting to learn to underwrite properties, uh, 100% we wanted to know the purview. We wanted to know, A, what that person owed because they were asking for a mortgage on the property, but also what were previous sales? How much has it gone up and appreciated over over its lifespan of sales? Because you can see previous sales on there. And if it didn't have a purview, we always hated it because it was kind of our way of we check it against the appraisal. Um, and going through an appraisal, our, our due diligence was we'd first and foremost look at how they valued it. Uh, and a lot of times it was just, uh, it, and this is the difference between, this is an important distinction because I saw one this morning. This is the difference between an opinion of value and an appraisal and an opinion of value is something, uh, given by the realtor that holds zero weight with any lenders. Yeah. <laughs> There's the only thing that's good for is realtors talking to other realtors.
1: Well, Um, it's, it's good for opinion of value. I think comes up more. If someone's looking to sell their property right now, the opinion of value would say, Hey, here's what, here's what I feel as a realtor, I could get for your property. That's what the opinion of value is
0: but it holds no weight with lenders. So exactly. it's, it's an important distinction to have because somebody just loaded it into a, a data room for you and I today. And I looked at it, I'm like, this means nothing. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's it's so interesting because I, opinion is a value in their category hold a lot of weight, but in, in a different mindset, it doesn't. Um, so we'd look at uh, how, how they came to the price, whether it was uh, as is, if it's a built out value, if it's, Uh, based on comparables or they've done it like uh, what are the square footage i think they can do at a price per square foot and if it was comparables the first thing we do is look at the comparables and if the comparables don't match there's a problem I'm not saying that it's necessarily the uh, uh, appraiser that that done it wrong it's just that perhaps there's nothing comparable to it so that's their best and closest match. Of course, some of them might be lazy and, so, <laughs> you know, but um, if they're, they're accredited appraisers, they, they should know their job really well. And if there's something comparable that like, okay, I can eliminate these two out of the five they used. It helps. It helped me as a, as working for the lender to determine the true value and then put that against purview. And then you want to look for anything, of course, our dude, we were looking for anything with contamination, how, uh, what it was zoned, all of those things, any, any restrictions on the property. Kind of so interesting, just, actually, to look at it from. Hmm.
1: Well, just when you're saying that about the different, different ways of valuing the property, that's one of the, I'll say, main differences between a residential and a commercial appraisal.
0: Mm, that's an interesting because distinction. A
1: re- residential appraisal is really looking at what are comparable properties selling for that's the main criteria they use mm-hmm. with a commercial appraisal they will actually have several different numbers on them mm-hmm. they will look at what comparable things are selling for and and often with commercial that could be tough to find because uh, some commercial properties can be quite unique
0: can you define okay. commercial because it does span a couple of categories
1: uh, commercial, well, you've got the first one being multi-residential, something classified as something more than four units. So four plex or below is still classified as residential. Uh, so it's more than four units. But then you also get into everything from office buildings, warehouses, factories. Strip malls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or strip malls and just malls. Uh, so, so anything that has a commercial component, meaning a business.
0: Mm-hmm. So, continue. so, sorry. How do they value so, that? So, so with
1: that, so with that, a commercial appraisal will outline. We'll look at comparable sales, but then we'll also look at uh, what they will do. At, is uh, value it based on what they call the the capex? Basically, basing it on the cash flow, saying based on the money that this property is bringing or projected to bring, here's what the property's worth using a cap, using the capex calculation which is essentially looking at what your net income is and then using a multiple on that to say what the value is then they, they will also look at the the costing slash replacement value where they're going to say well here's what the land is worth and here's what this building that is on the land is worth what it would cost to build a, a similar complex on there
0: mm-hmm. how about uh, industrial or that, well and know anything about them industrial or medical know anything about them as
1: far as what the value
0: of the property because yeah. you've got you've got I'm just two, picking your brain now I want to see a
1: squirm <laughs> well you've you've got and, and this is where you start getting a line between what's the real estate worth and what's the business worth because mm-hmm. they are two separate uh two separate things so with a hospital for instance the the hospital itself you've got what does it cost for the building and i'll just say medical facility mm-hmm. because if it's if it's a i mean is, if it's is there rent coming in for any parts of the unit or is it just sort of hey it's run this way and mm-hmm. it's like a government run hospital then probably not uh or like a biolife
0: center biolife sciences center
1: yeah so so if you've got like a medical complex something like that what's then now you're going to evaluate it based on and if it's if it's one run by one company where they've got the entire premises, okay. What? So then they would value. Okay, if someone was selling that, well, what are they selling? The building or the business? And there's two separate two separate numbers in there. If they're selling the whole thing and saying, "Hey, you're buying the bi- the business, which includes the bit the 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 business which includes Take the building." Yes, two B's <laughs> I'm making you talk
0: too much. <laughs> yeah.
1: So if if you're looking at those things there. You're going to separate out what's the value between because if someone's looking to lend on it well we can do a mortgage based on the building based on the building value if you need additional funds for the business then you got to evaluate the business separately
0: and you probably need a different lender for the business
1: potentially it, it could be one lender doing the whole thing and they could set up two parts to it or do it do it as one particular thing but they
0: would evaluate both sides of it mm. That's a lot to take in. I'm surprised that we've gone (laughs) through what we went through, JT. Uh, (laughs) Now, you know what? I I think it's important for people to understand due diligence. a lot of times people kind of skip over it, just say, get a home inspector. But the more you can understand it, the more you can relate it to your specific situation. I mean, that's the worst situation you get. Have you ever seen The Money Pit with Tom, uh, uh, Tom Hanks? I think I saw it years ago. I really don't remember the movie. I don't remember. I think it was um, Shelley, uh, Shelley Duvall, was it, that uh, started with them? I don't remember off the top of my head. It sucks. It was one of my favorite money uh, favorite movies as a kid. But they buy their dream home, and it almost ends up breaking up their marriage. Because just every time they took down a wall, something would happen, and, and part of the house would fall apart. And there's a great scene where it's like a... Uh, um, Uh, Oh, gosh, what's a Rube Goldbrick device where he drops something and it drops a paintball and uh, a a, a bucket of paint and knocks over a guy on a ladder and he takes out the concrete. And it was it was pretty great. It was uh, it was a good movie. Definitely recommend it. And you really want to avoid any situations like that. So hopefully we provided you with some value today. I appreciate you listening to us as always. Jonathan, thank you. Appreciate your time. Anything you want to say to wrap it up, sir?
1: Oh, I mean, always a pleasure speaking with you, Jeff. Always. I never know, quite know where the conversations are going to go. And we go down some rabbit holes some days. So always <laughs> fun doing this. And of course, to everyone <laughs> listening, thanks a lot. Glad, glad you can tune in and you found our, our station.
0: And we 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 keep it uh, PG on here, but yes, we do have some weird conversations some days. Anyhow, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you want to know more about Jonathan and I, you can always download our newest book at guide to That's major marketing mistakes and other dumb shit to uh for builders and other dumb shit to avoid. Uh, really good, really good uh um understanding of online marketing and i do want to give out uh, a shout out to one of our listeners cassidy who sent us a really great email she is super uh, uh eager to learn in the business and uh, i i see you smiling because i read you the email and uh it, you know that's the stuff we love to get from you we love hearing your feedback and if you ever want to come as a guest on the show We'd love to have you talk through real estate strategies, understand where you're at, where you want to get to. We love helping people um, um, grow and, and learn more about the business. So you can certainly shoot us an email at uh, IP income. Is that IP? Oh, just, I don't even know. We have so many email addresses. Just send it to geoffedie at gmail.com. That's my first and last name at gmail.com. It's just easier. I'm sorry, Jonathan. It's too early in the day for my brain to do this. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Cassie, for sending us that great note. I will respond to your email uh, right away. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you soon.